My name is Tyler Fornis, and I am one of the co-hosts of the Good, the Bad, and the Hungi AEW podcast here on the Voice of Wrestling Podcasting Network. We take a broad scope approach to the world of all elite wrestling and the entire universe of Tony Khan. We talk about the big matches, the big stars, the promos, the storylines. And we also look at it from a big picture perspective. How are things going to change over the course of the next 10 years with AEW still in the picture? How are companies like WWE going to adapt and adjust to AEW? Are they going to be a similar way like they did with WCW in the late 1990s? Will there be a counterpunch? We talk about all of that and more on the good, the bad, and the hungry every week on the Voices of Wrestling Network. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. To the highway, in a brand new day, gotta let it go. Fast to Welcome back to Open the Voice Gate for August 15th, 2023. We are members of the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. You can find us on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network feed or our own dedicated Open the Voice Gate feed on all podcast platforms applications. You can follow us on Twitter at Open Voice Gate. If you'd like to donate to the show, click the link in the show notes. It'll take you to our redcircle.com landing site. You click the red box that says Sponsors Podcast, and you can set up a one-time or reoccurring donation no obligation whatsoever, but we would like to thank all of our previous donors. I am one of your hosts. It's your old pal, Mike Spears. Join alongside, as always, your other host, Case Lowe. And Case, this one crept up on us. Dangerous Gate 2023 is happening this Sunday. The thing with, the thing with King of Gates, you get all hopped up on tournament fever, and it's all over, and you go, wait, we have a, the biggest show of Dragon Gates here in Tokyo in two weeks, and now it's the Sunday. Yeah, no, the, uh, the there's no come down here. There's no downer from King of Gate. We're still on the uppers. We're we're now, I mean, we're we're in the important part of the year. You know, it's it's Dangerous Gate this month, and then the uh, the big shows don't stop from there. Obviously, Doi's homecoming at the end of this month. Some exciting stuff in September. I'm trying to remember if Gate of Origin is then or in October. I think it's in October. Uh, Yes, October there, and then obviously Gate of Destiny and Final Gate to round out the year. So we're in the busy season. You know, Dragon Gate, uh, I think, did a very good job of making the unimportant first few months of the year important this year with Ray Day Parejas and the number one contenders match in the April Corkin show, uh, which now is a, a rematch for the Dangerous Gate main event. But we are here, and you're right, it, it snuck up on me as well. Yeah, so this episode opened the voice gate. This is going to be our Dangerous Gate preview. There were shows this last weekend. Actually, 
two shows in Kunamoto celebrating Ginky Horiguchi's 25th anniversary in his hometown, along with the uh, the doubleheader in Hakata. We're going to weave in the stuff that happened this weekend as we preview this card. It's just, it's something where this card came out almost like it, right as we were recording last week. And it's something where things on these shows really did not, at least in my opinion, for Kunamoto and Hakata, it was all in service of dangerous gate and if it wasn't in service of dangerous gate at least for this week it's not really worth talking well let me ask you this uh, as a sort of overarching way to talk about this past weekend did you go notebook on any of the matches from any of the shows you watched no i didn't i i i, I did have a dragon system match that i was notebook but it did not happen in a dragon gate rig Oh boy, we will we will talk about that at the end of the episode. A, I, 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 at the same time, exhilarating and depressing match that Mike and I watched and adored this past week. I had one uh, from this weekend, so let me throw that out there. If you're looking for something to watch from the Fukuoka shows, I would go to the afternoon show, the daytime show, if you will, main event of that show: Gold Class, Ben K, BB Hulk, and Coach Minora versus D-Courages, Madoka Kakuta, Yuki Yoshioka, and the unaffiliated Yamato. I went four stars on that match. Made me very, very excited for this upcoming Dangerous Gate main event. That was uh, pretty far and away my match of the weekend. Yeah, I was three and three quarters on it, and this was the one match from this weekend I actually really wanted to talk about in service of the main event because it is such a interesting thing, and I think we could kind of also talk about the uh, Dreamgate title match that will be happening at Dangerous Gate. Madoka Kakuda defending against King of Gate 2023, Kota Minora. We got that face-off on the afternoon show here. And the remarkable thing about this match was not just the fact that Kota Minora won. He penned Yamato clean as a sheet, as emphatically as possible. Like, in the way that just like, oh, the clearest way of discarding the past generation that I think like we've seen in the ring in a long time. Yeah, this is exactly what they should have done. And I think it's part of the reason that I'm so into this Minora versus Kakuta match. And I, uh, you know, we haven't discussed what we think the finish of the match should be. We could talk about that in just a second, but the fact that you had Yoshioka right there and Yoshioka, if you paid attention to the way that D courage has been presented this year, you know, Kakuta has been the standout. Daya has very much been a background player, but Yoshioka has been in a lot of very important matches alongside Kakuta. And as a result has taken a lot of pinfalls. So they very easily just could have had Minora pin Yoshioka again, something that he's already done this year and moved on with life. And we would have been a okay, but they, they haven't pinned Yamato here. It doesn't have the impact that it would in, say, a Tokyo, a Cork and Hall, obviously, or even a Kobe, where I think you would have had a few more oohs and ahs, but it seemed to register with the crowd because we're still at a point with Yamato where even if he has resigned himself from, say, main event level competition this year, and even if he is not in a unit, which is an odd place for a Dragon Gate wrestler to be in, he's still Yamato. And he's still presented as a threat. He's still presented as a guy that not only doesn't lose a lot, but still wins to an extreme degree. And for Minora to pin him the way they did uh, was quite exciting. Yeah, and, and it is something that the one other thing from the shows is Minora's overness with the crowd. Something that although there were calls and the Masquerade and even Dragon Gate Generation days, not to the... St- 
not to the extent that I feel like we've seen over the last few weeks, especially in the tail end of King of Gate leading into this weekend. It does feel like this is a moment that you would, you're absolutely right. Like this is happening in Hakata. When we think about the regular loop right now, Hakata matters, but it's no, it's not even Kyoto in the greater scheme of things. And that happening here with with the crowd taking their kind of like gasping after the fall really puts Minora on this path to this match against Madoka Kakuda in April. They face off. It was Kakuda winning on his way to win the Dreamgate from Shun at Dead or Alive in May. But it's something interesting with Kakuda. And I guess this is the question I'm having about this match. Is this at a point right now with Minora where the damage that has been done with him has been completely rehabilitated arguably he's gone further of this is this now the moment coming off the heels of that clean win against Yamato and a king of gate where it felt like at least that one night in tokyo everything that was presented to the audience about kota minora for the last five years has finally been fully received so i have a two-part answer here in terms of the way that i think uh, the the main event will look like and finish. Drangate, I, I think, is approaching this show, at least in my mind, and this is where I, I'm very curious, the people in the Voices of Wrestling Discord on the Open the Voice Gate channel, sort of where you're at temperature check-wise with Minora. I, I just, you know, who, from a, a fan perspective, who you would like to win this match is very intriguing to me because I could see within our bubble it being sort of a 50-50 situation. For me, Minora is entering this match with a clean slate. Something happened. Something was triggered at Kobe World this past year. I don't want to say it's the haircut because it's not that, but it does perfectly coincide with him cutting his hair short where all of the stress, all of the damage, all of the baggage that he had had brought with him for the last year, suddenly it was gone. And I was like, man, I, I really like this wrestler. And it was a good reminder for me just how much I like this guy. So he's coming in with a clean slate. The thing that I think is interesting, and I'll kick it to you and then make my point, is let's let's you know let's go big here. There's a there is a lot of uh, stats and numbers and scenarios that we can get into, but in terms of who you think is going to win, where do you land right now? I am trying to decide. I that this is the hardest Dreamgate match. I'm going back for like. For me, at least, Case, I am so up in the air on this that I am going back to maybe Kobe World Week in 2021, where it everything kind of felt like, oh, Shun could get through this weekend if he defeats KZ. Could this be KZ time? Or is Yamato bringing back the old order and is going to lead the ship out of troubled waters like that this is that we're going back to that time for me to have such a difficulty thinking about who is going to be the captain of the ship coming out of this weekend and for as peerless i feel like kakuda has been outside the slightly underwhelming dreamgate match at kobe world there feels like that there is a certain level of momentum around kota minora that in past attempts, there was not even coming close to with him. 
And I wonder with his travails, even with the fact he's 24, he's been in the main event scene practically now for this actually be the, the two year anniversary of him being in the main event scene because it'll be the two year anniversary of his first ever Dreamgate match against Yamato at Dangerous Gate 2021. So we're entering two years of him in this scene and he's never had the momentum. He's never had the crowd. And I don't think he's had the confidence like he's had over the last few weeks that I I wonder that is it, it are you going to get as good of a scenario for Kota Minora, someone that you have been preparing for this long, come across again? Like, it, did you think, Case, that, that there can be a better situation to crown Kota Minora? Because I don't know if there is one, and that's making me go 51-49 as of 7-23 as we're recording. We'll see where I am in five minutes. 51-49 Minora, because I don't think that they could create the scenario again or make a better scenario for him. I do think they can create a better scenario, and that's where I want to take this. Now, you brought up a okay. few really interesting things there, so let me move back to move forward. In terms of, you brought up something that I hadn't, I hadn't really thought about, which is this is probably the most even contested Dreamgate match we've had either since the Yamato uh, Shun KZ stuff in 2021, or if you want to maybe go Yamato versus Kai from Final Gate, because you know we we thought Yamato was winning that, but we were wrong. So I, I would certainly mention that, but you go through Kai's run and, you know, Yoshida obviously wasn't beating him. Shimizu, you know, was not a favorite by any means and he lost. Same with Susumu, same with Kondo. And then we sort of assumed that Yoshioka would beat him there and then beat Minora. You look at all, the, all of Yoshioka's run and through the Shun match, which I said, hey, Shun's going to win this one. It was all pretty clear that Yoshioka was going to win those matches. Shun was obviously beating Strong Machine J and that Kakuta was beating Shun. So we're really up in the air here uh, in terms of a, a Dreamgate scenario that we haven't seen in quite a while, and that is pretty exciting. In terms of, again, going back to move forward, Minora's prior Dreamgate defenses, you have the two. You have the aforementioned, his first one two years ago, Dangerous Gate 2021 against Yamato, where he felt really hot. He was coming off of losing the finals in King of Gate and then beating Ata at World that year. The Ata match wasn't great, which was no fault of Minoris that was just sort of you know it was one of those nights where it seemed like Ata didn't want to work even though it was Kobe World which I thought was bizarre so uh you know he was a little cooled off just from not having that great match with Ata but he didn't have the confidence and he didn't have the charisma and our you know takes coming out of that show had they crowned him versus Yamato would have been like wow this is really aggressive this is really early we really hope even for as talented as he is that he can hang in a spot like this so they obviously held off on him then 2022 the story's been told a million times timing wasn't right thank god they didn't go with him there in terms of this year to address your question can they come up with a better scenario for coach Minoru to win the dream gate belt I think there is something better out there and this is my hang up with this match this is you know, if we want to talk about attendance and clearing a certain number, this is my hangup, is that we just went through Kakuta versus Yoshioka, this awkward babyface versus babyface battle of respect. And I don't need Kota Minora to be throwing salt in the eyes of Madoka Kakuta. I don't need him to be evil. I don't need him to be gold class 1.0. I think what they've done in the build of this match has been effective, but we are still wrestling this dream gate match 
in sort of shades of gray. And I think it's awkward to change the title in moments like that. I would hope that when Minora eventually wins the Dreamgate title, that he is either full-fledged babyface gunning after a heel, or he is a full-fledged heel looking to take down a babyface. And quite frankly, when they get in the ring, Dangerous Gate, uh, this Sunday, I don't know who's going to be working heel and who's going to be working face. I would assume Kakuta is going to be the face and Minoru is going to be the heel, but I don't know that to be true. And that is my reservation and why I think there is a better scenario for him out there in the future somewhere. Yeah. And I just wonder like that, because you're absolutely right. Like the build has been essentially, Oh, I won King of gate. That usually means I get a dream gate shot. Oh, Hey, could I, I, I want my dream gate shot. Okay. And then the house shows and this where they where like if you look at what happened at least since since Corkin and where they they've had they've had interactions with it. But it's still that little bit of shades of gray super face versus face sort of thing. And I, I, I think the other hang up with Menorah is the fact that you look at for Kakuda where he is right now and what they have built up around him. And you, and you have this X factor in Shimizu that either way they go with, they're going to have to kind of tackle this question and it's going to have to be tackled soon. It is something that Shimizu has the, uh, has a win a direct pinfall over the Dreamgate champion. And then after the evening show and, Hakata called out everyone he did not face in King of Gate out of the Reiwa Six and said, Hey guys, I, I face all of them. I'm still coming for you. And it's something where I think that when you have like this question looming overhead, I think that's something that you have that that's more of Kakuta's story with Shimizu than it is Minora. And that might be a reason why you don't move the belt because you want to tell that story. We sort of flirted with this idea last week, uh, not last year, but last week, rather, where, you know, could Shimizu feasibly challenge for the Dreamgate belt at Gate of Destiny? And you and I talked about how it would be really awkward for this to be like a six-month story. You know, you have to remember the Shimizu promo where he called out the Reiwa 6 goes back to the first Reiwa 6 six-man. That was in May. That was the May Corkin show. And I thought, God, it would be... It would be really strange with this fast-paced Drangate booking uh, that, that's been, you know, throughout the company over the last few years where they, they do one match and they move on. And they, there doesn't seem to be a lot of long-term feuds uh, in terms of A, B, and C. You know, Drangate always has this, this long-term storytelling where things always matter, but we don't have a lot of prolonged feuds in this promotion right now. It would be a little weird if they drug out this Shimizu story for six months, but Gate of Destiny is in Osaka. Shimizu is from Osaka. Are, are we are we missing the obvious here? Are they doing Kakuta versus Shimizu in Osaka? I think if they do have him go through, it's Yoshioka, it's Jay, and it is Ben that he did not face during the tournament. I think you can make those matches happen in a long enough time to keep him busy. I mean, they're not going to have a Dreamgate match probably at Gate of Origin. So y 
you could have like a burn off match there if you really need to for Kakuda, just so there's the defense in there. But I think you have enough stuff now that you presented that you, you pre- that they presented this uh the, this ongoing trial that I think you could now prolong it even if it's trading off of a win from two months before or three months before because in the overall thing in a company that does not usually hammer like ongoing storylines after the big match or and that they will go back and revisit it the, the the these things happen for a reason and it leads me to think that they are going to that that we that when considering this dangerous gate main event we also there is this shimizu osaka gate of destiny thing that i still think does it loom completely directly over it no but it's something that that they have made a made a point of having this thing launched with shimizu when there is a clear enough out that shimizu could just be written off after king of gate in this thing and nothing that and move on they've chose to revisit it so at the risk of gross fantasy booking let's let's say kakuta retains and there's more i want to say about the dream gate match but let's focus on shimizu for a second let's say kakuta retains you do shimizu versus ben k at the september Corkin show you do shimizu versus strong machine j at the end of september at the osaka number two show and then you do shimizu versus yoshioka at the October Corkin show, Shimizu gets through the last decourage guy, and after he beats the three Reiwa six guys he hasn't wrestled, he gets his match with Kakuta. I I feel like I would be really into that by the time he wrestled Yoshioka. Yeah, and I think that that by doing that, you're able to string it out long enough that even if it's that Kakuta is not there, you still have the fact that there is probably more than enough thing with momentum for Shimizu to make the challenge against Minora if the title change does happen. Yeah, I mean, he feels he still feels hot. You know, I, right. I, again, so, I, I it's an unexpected addition to the sort of main event scene this year that they've really gone in with Shimizu and dug their heels in on him being this guy of importance. But I've I've said for years he's better than the way they use him, and you know, there's there there's a lot of factors. Uh, regarding Shimizu in terms of the way that he is used and perhaps him shooting himself in the foot at times. But this year, it certainly seems like he has his head on straight and it seems like Drangate has a straight path for him. And it makes this match really interesting because if Minora wins, and then we can play with that scenario for a second, you know, now Shimizu's gonna, you know, I guess hypothetically wrestle a guy that he's are that he already lost to, and that that doesn't seem to have the same juice as Shimizu versus Kakuta, in my opinion. It doesn't, but it is something that you could use the uh, time between now and and Gate of Destiny to make it work. I feel like other than momentum, there's enough time to justify a direct challenge against Minora if we do entertain this scenario up uh, thinking about Kakuda though he is someone coming into this match and coming into dangerous gate not untested he had that match with Yoshioka at uh, Kobe world 2023 but that was the semi-main event we're not going to remember Kobe world for that match we're going to remember Kobe world for Diamante unmasking so him coming into Tokyo here outside of the main event match of which he won the title, finishing the story, 
this is kind of his big test as champion, I would say, coming into that. And for someone that is, I, I guess in a way, I'm laying out the case why Kakuda retained. For someone that has had all the time and effort put behind him since December of last year, and the way that they have not just protected him, but pro- but provided a lane for Madoka Kakuda to grow and thrive to becoming Open the Dream Gate champion less than five months after that match at Final Gate. This is a test here that they might want to see him through and see what it is with Kakuda as the lead guy in this promotion. And as we talked about Shimizu, you still have that out in front of him. And you have the fact that everything coming out of Kobe World and coming out of King of Gate really kind of leaves still an open deck for Kakuda's championship, I would say. Yeah, I feel like Kakuta has a lot of unfinished business as champion. And and as we sit here and talk about it, I you know, I don't think they're making a mistake if they put the belt on Minora, but I, I actually think Kakuta as champion is still far more interesting. Luckily, in terms of, of the impact of him as champion and the, the legacy that is on the line here with him as the Open the Dreamgate champion, I think Minora is the guy that he needs to sort of steal the show with. These guys have excellent chemistry with one another. You know, they had the match uh, that headlined the April 5th Cork and Hall show, which if you remember, so let's go back in time and analyze that match in the moment we were in. That match was set up. We we figured it was going to be Kakuta versus Shun at Dead or Alive. And they went and they did uh, the show in the big Nagoya building that we really wanted on the network, and it did not end up there. And to, you know, to put it in perspective, we were like, maybe this is the show where SP Kento and Takuma Fujiwara come back, and that did not happen. But nevertheless it looked like we were going in the direction of Kakuta versus Shun. And then all of a sudden Minora came out and insisted on having this number one contendership Dreamgate match. And you and I panicked and we're like, God damn it. They're doing it again. Like the, the Kakuta versus Minora match that, that was booked for that April Corkin show was watched uh, between, you know, the, I, I had hands over my eyes. It was, you know, not a pleasant viewing experience, even if the match ended up being four and a half stars, just because I thought, Oh my God, are they going to screw this story up? for the sake of Minora yet again. And they didn't end up doing that, but they did go out there and have a great match. And I want to read an excerpt from my review really quick as it, as it sort of ties into what we could see this upcoming weekend, where I said, and I quote, I was astounded at how physical this was. Kakuta, who has wrestled both Shingo Takagi and Masato Tanaka in the last few months, has been known, known to throw a haymaker, but pretty boy Minora gladly returned fire in an equally violent way. End quote. And Mike, I don't know about you, but every time Minora and Kakuta get in the ring with one another, I am just blown away at how hard they're hitting each other. This is a true test of Dragon Gate heavyweights that we really don't often see, and especially, you know, in a post-Shingo, post-Tozawa, Mochizuki no longer a focus in the main event scene, Yamato no longer a focus in the main event scene. We haven't seen a lot of this, but this has a chance to be a really violent and brutal Dreamgate match in a way that I think is going to be really welcomed by a lot of different people. Yeah, and that was one of the things that I was trying to get across when I was trying to defend the matches that Madoka Kakuda had in the King of Gate tournament, where he was having these heavyweight-style matches with Shuji Kondo, with Takashi Yoshida, and hey... I might be the one person who's still out on a ledge giving four stars to Kashi Yoshida for that match. But you are. 
yeah, I, I, I'll wear that because there's an argument that can be made, made that those matches were preparing for the style that, uh, that you're proposing. Because whenever you see these two come across, it is not like that you are able to take a step back. The, the, this is not really these two guys aren't don't really have the propensity to do rest holds. I've noticed other than like going for like the engranaje. I feel like it, it, it it's a thing that this is going to be uh, as much as I hate it. Uh, like meaty guy, me, meaty men smacking meat. I I butchered that, but. That That's shows okay. my disdain. It's a, it's a, I, know, I showed like, my disdain by butchering it. But yeah, there, there, there's a certain type of guy that leans on that as like a as, as a as a personality. Yeah, it's I, I'm I'm good on that. But but you're right. I mean, look, I would be I would be absolutely stunned if this wasn't a capital G bold and underlined great match. I really have high expectations for this, partially because of the the momentum that Minora's coming in with. But I just I think these guys get one another. Yeah, and it's something where Minora is such a fascinating guy to watch that, especially, like, let's just take the last two years. So as a main event player, he has been, like, figuring it out on the job for, like, what works for him as a main event wrestler. And it's been this King of Gate tournament where he's really kind of put it together that now it, it, it it's not a surprise that the best stuff that's been happening on the house show loops has been around these two guys coming across each other because it, it does feel like that Minora is onto something and Kakuda is very is very secure as a heavyweight wrestler in the style of heavyweight wrestling that you see in Dragon Gate which is hitting each other as hard as possible you know that's a great point I'm glad you said that We've had Dragon Gate house shows on YouTube for about 18 months now because it started right at the beginning of 2022, which means it started roughly at the same point that Gold Class began. And the highlight of the house show uploads has always been rookies, Shun Skywalker, and you know whether it's Vibes versus D-Courage or M3K versus D-Courage, that's been what's moved my needle. Gold Class has never been the highlight of these shows until now. It's a new thing that we're seeing where Ben and Menorah and Minorita or Ben and Hulk and Menorah are crushing these house shows on six-man tags. That was not happening three months ago. That was not happening six months ago. That certainly wasn't happening a year ago. Gold Class as a unit is actually taking great strides forward, and it's because Menorah finally figured out his shit. You know, this was a unit that was, that was held down by their leader for so long. I mean, we talked at this time last year, just about, you know, wh where would Gold Class be without Ben K? Ben K has become the de facto leader because Menorah's in the shadows. And finally, he stepped out in a way that's welcoming and encouraging and engaging. And as a result, we now have this going on where, yeah, Gold Class has been crushing the house shows and they've been doing it primarily with D-Courage. Yeah, and it's something where, with all of that and everything with it, We've been talking now about this match for only about 15 minutes, and I've gone 51, 50, 49 still. Like, I still cannot really figure this one out because just with how Menorah has figured it out and the crowd has gone behind him, more and more, like, I go back to this thing, at least in my head, as I've been going this out, we've been having this discussion of what is it? You brought this up earlier. 
I think this is the might be as good as it gets for a launch pad for a Kota Minora Dreamgate match or Dreamgate crowning. To you, what is the best way to do this? Well, what is your better way to present it? I think there there needs to be stronger differences in character. Again, we're kind of we're dealing with two guys here who are part babyface, part heel, and I don't know where they're they're going to be once the bell rings. And I just think the best case scenario for Minora, you know, they've nailed the momentum, they've nailed the character, but to maximize his first Dreamgate win, you know, you only get your first Dreamgate win once. I just want to see him either dedicate himself to being a heel and wrestle a top flight babyface or dedicate himself to being a lovable babyface and have him wrestle a dastardly heel. That's the that's the only way they can make this scenario better. Okay. I I I see that. And it's something where there's probably a bigger discussion to be had about Zebrats and the heel unit shuffle and how that kind of plays into the fact that we've had so many face versus face room gate matches lately. But I, I still can't decide, Kate. Let, let me I, ask you this. Let me ask yeah. you this. This is, this is my final, I think my final point of the Dreamgate match. We, we understand if Kakuta retains, okay, there's probably a Shimizu match coming. There's probably a Ben match coming. God, I mean, it, you know, pencil and Ben for final gate, it feels like. You know, they, they at least have a direction of Kakuta called out the Reiwa 6. He now has to go through the Reiwa 6. If Minora wins the belt, what's the immediate direction for him as Dreamgate champion? Because I can't think of an obvious V1, and that bothers me a little bit. Yeah, because I kind of had to talk myself into circles to justify Shimizu versus him, right? Like, I, I will even acknowledge that that was pretty paper-thin justification. It, 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 It's something where you look at where he is and everything around him. Shun, probably not that shot. Does not make a, You could revisit that, but then you're basically not building up other heals for the sake of Shun is just that good of a heal that you can just plug him in for that. And I don't think you want to have Shun take another Dreamgate loss, two Dreamgate losses in, in less than three months. I don't think you want to do that with him. No, I don't I mean, think look, you could I, do I, Doi. You can't do Doi either because Doi is, you're not going to commit to Doi and Doi's not going to commit to you. And he's not a full, a main eventer. Those are your two like obvious stories and they're not there. No, that'd be interesting. I mean, I would love to see Minora versus Doi for the Dreamgate belt, but I don't I don't think that's there. And I can fantasy book. I mean, I can say, well, Minora should run through Mochizuki Dojo, and he should beat Shun, and he should beat Yoshioka, and he should beat Mochizuki. And, you know, if you want to throw a gimmick heel match in there, sure, be my guest. But that's not, that's not guaranteed. You know, there's no obvious direction with him right now. And I think, I just think when it's time for Minora... I think we'll know. I don't think it'll be this 50-50 scenario. And again, if he wins on Sunday, I don't think it's a disaster. I think it's exciting. And I think they have different avenues they can go in. I just always look at like, you know, when Yoshioko is coming to the end of his reign, it seemed uh, to me like Shun is a natural endpoint because they can get to Shun versus Kakuta. And with Kakuta, it was like, I think you can do Kakuta versus Yoshioka. Those were matches that I had scoped out uh, well before they were announced. And with Minora, I just can't figure out what they would do in Osaka. You know, I can't figure out what that Gate of Destiny main event would be. Not that that's a requirement to win the title, but it would certainly make me feel a little bit more comfortable if I knew my champion had an obvious direction 
after winning the belt immediately. And I just don't think that's there. Whereas I still think they have a ton of story to tell with Kakuta. And I think that's the thing that tips me ultimately, you know, because staging wise for someone that they've tried so hard in the past, if not prepare the crowd for the eventuality, but at least tease like you, it's not going to be now, but eventually it is going to be Kota Minora. So we're preparing you for the fact that Kota Minora is going to be that guy. We should know. And it should be something that the crowning is usually pretty clear in this company. I mean, we talk a lot about uh, Kobe Worlds where it was so clear and obvious that no no bookmaker would take the bets on Dreamgate matches. You knew that BB Hulk was winning the Dreamgate that year. You knew that Ben K was defeating Pack that year. That that's not here right now. Whereas the future at, with Madoka Kakuda as Dreamgate champion, there are paths forward and there are paths that are not just like, oh, we, we we've kind of walked over this path. You can go through it. It's safe. No, it's basically paved over, has asphalt, and you're running eighteen wheelers through it. And I think that's where we're gonna have to go with. I think now it it's got to be Kakuda retaining. Can I play devil's advocate for a second? Man, I just finally made a decision. Okay, yep. go ahead. Can I, can I, can I uh, ruin your night again? Go right so, ahead. You know, we talked at length for the Game Gate Finals about Menora possibly being 0 for 3 in the finals and what that would do long term. And obviously, you know, it didn't come to fruition. He won the title. He's 0 and 2 in Dreamgate challenges, like we talked about Yamato 2021, Yoshioka 2022. Are, are we running into a troublesome scenario if he goes 0-3 career in Dreamgate matches? Not at this point. Not in this promotion. Not at this point. We, th- The way I look at this case is that there's kind of a meter that we have on it. And you get to a certain point on the meter, you got Takashi Yoshida, you can constantly give that guy Dreamgate keys. You know he's never going to unlock the belt. But you 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 get to a certain point, and probably BB Hulk was the, the like that was the last time you could do that with BB Hulk when he won the Dreamgate title. Like it was, he was at nine keys, and where uh where Kota Minor is at at his time in his career, he can take another loss here, I think, because he's king of gate. If it was a scenario where he just marched out and said title shot, please, and they gave it to him, and he lost then I would have concerns, but this is coming off the heels of something that cements him. So I, I think he's okay. Yeah, I, I like I said earlier, you know, this is the first Dreamgate match that he's been in that it would make sense for him to win, even if I don't think it's the move. You know, again, 2021, he had momentum, but he didn't have the charisma, and it would have been too soon. And 2022, they could have forced a square peg into a round hole, and luckily they didn't. So I, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to look at it as like, well, this would be his first real loss, but also uh, this would be, you know, uh, this is the first one where you you for sure mark this one down. You go, this was a definitive Dreamgate loss. Where does he go from here? And it, it is something where where he's at and... Really, I mean, when you think about it, this could be the good thing that loses, completely loses it, and maybe where we say where he goes from here, he becomes the new heel leader. He joins up with Shun. Like, there's a lot of things that I think 
that will be that transformative moment that comes out of the first real shot. And I think that that's a lot better than, okay, you give him the belt. Now what? We we gave him the belt. What do we do with him now? Not to gloss over this, but if he loses, he doesn't need an immediate thing to do. We have to remember, he's still Triangle Gate champion. That's it. And it is with Doi, which is an odd dynamic. There's your thing to do. He's he's going right. to be okay yeah. if he loses. Exactly. So I think with that, we've both kind of, you more certainly at the front came to, you think Akuta's retaining here. I, I think Akuta's retaining. I'd, I'd probably say about, about 70 30 at this point. What are you, 51 49 Kakuta? I think I am a good, firm, you could build a house on it, 55 45. Okay. I would like I would like our listeners to check in, open the VoiceGate channel on the Voices of Wrestling Discord, who you want to win and who you think is going to win. I'm very, very curious about this one. Yeah, no. Uh, go when the show gets posted, go in the Discord. Peach emoji for uh for Kakuta on the uh, on the post. Rose for uh uh for Minora. Let's figure this out here. That, damn, that's you know you know what, Mike. Good for you. That was a good idea. Hey, it, it, it's something here. I I deal with cold hard facts. Case if you know one thing about <laughs> hey, Mike, look, I enter the no spin zone every single week. I know I know what I'm dealing with. <laughs> All right, there, Patriots, buckle up. We're, we're, I, I'm about to come at you with some truth, and and that is we're going to be comparing peach emojis to rose emojis, and we're figuring it out here. No, this is not a red scare moment, Joe. We are, it's a serious operation. We have sponsors at play here. Peach emoji, rose emoji. Put it down. Put it down. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking, "Ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card. But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy slab packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club slab pack, and and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards, and yeah, you can open it, and look, it's going to be junk. You're, you, you know what I mean? Like, you know what you're probably going to get in those. Maybe you find that fun. And sometimes I do. Sometimes I like just opening up cards and saying, oh, hey, look at some random cards or whatever. But if you're really in this game to to find value and find particular cards, it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs. And it ends up being, you know, almost nothing. You know, nothing of value. Not with Arena Club. You can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading. So you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling. And you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, 
got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net for 10% off your first purchase on Arena Club. And we thank them for sponsoring the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Uh, the semi-main event of Dangerous Gate is for the Open the Twin Gate Championship. It is a three-way championship match. This came out of last weekend's shows where M3K decided that they really wanted to have a three-way and they were going to ruin a number one contendership match and Nag and Nagoya. It is the Sumu Mochizuki Azushi Kanda, the team you should be considering when we talk about tag team of the year, defending their Twain Gate belts against Jason Lee and Jackie Funky Kamei of Natural Vibes, as well as Z Bratz Kai and Hio. We're finally getting a three-way uh team match on a pay-per-view this year, guess. So Let's talk about what you just mentioned there, the the idea of Tag Team of the Year, because I I asked around earlier today about who people's front runners for Tag Teams of the Year are in in case I was missing anything obvious. But, you know, for the first time in a very long time, just because of injuries, it doesn't seem like the Bucks are going to be eligible for this award. This is a year where the Lucha Brothers aren't in consideration. Uh, there's no, you know, Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish tag team. There, there's, there's so much great wrestling in Mexico right now, but I don't think any like standout tag team that's in Mexico. So I asked around, and I, you know, I Aussie Open and Goto and Yoshihashi and FTR, and th- those seem to be the front runners. If this is a high end match, I mean, if this is a four and a half star match, which it very easily could be, because you have. Susumu and you have Kai and you have Kamei in this. We really have to treat Susumu and Kanda as frontline tag team of the year contenders, which is a bizarre Join position me. to be in. Join me. Join me. I've been saying this for months. And, and you know, quite frankly, if they wanna if they wanna fire back up the Mochizuki Square tag team, you know, father and son, I, I still they're kind of waiting in the wings. It's just a matter of opportunity at this point. But case I'm, you know what? Yes, that's a great way to promote Misaki Mochizuki's impending autobiography. <laughs> yeah, I, I I agree. In fact, he should just wrestle everywhere. That would be the best way to promote his autobiography. Is there we more go. Of there him. we go. <laughs> but you know, I'm so surprised when people talk about FTR as this runaway tag team of the year because I really struggle to think outside of the the bullet club matches, which were great. I, I really enjoyed them. I don't know what they've done this year. Like I didn't have a single notebook FTR match prior to the month of June this year. And you look at Aussie open and I think they've been very good. Uh, you know, they miss a little bit of time due to injury. I think they've been very good. I enjoy the act. I've always enjoyed the act. I'm glad they're having the success they're having. You know, I would personally, and this is no shot at them because again, I think they've been good this year, but I think, I think there's a handful of Dragon Gate tag teams, whether it's been Yoshioka and Kakuta, the Mochizukis, Susumu and Kanda, that are better than Goto versus Yoshihashi. I mean, to me, uh, listing them in your top three says you're not watching enough wrestling and you're specifically not watching enough Dragon Gate. But 
if Susumu and Kanda deliver in this match, we're now talking about three, not only high-end tag team matches, we're talking about three possible match of the year contenders with the Kano and Kondo match, which I, you know, I, I can't get over how good that was. And then the, the Kakuta and Yoshioka match, which you liked more than I did. You know, that is what your, your top three Dragon Gate match for you this year. Oh no, that is my Dragon Gate match of the year. Yeah. Still. Yeah. Yeah. So it, uh, on top of a few auxiliary defenses that haven't hit the notebook, but have still been very good. I mean, if this delivers the way that it should, again, you know, this is a very good lineup for just to have this style of match. We have to have a really serious conversation that they might not only be in the conversation, they might be the best tag team this year. Yeah. And it's something where I think if you take the breadth of the work as a tag team, it is a scenario where we're talking really about two matches for FTR this year. Let's be honest. Let's just, be honest. And if I'm, if I'm missing an FTR match, let me know. But I, I, I look through I, my I, notes. I look through cage match. I, I, I don't know. Again, other than the Bullet Club match, I don't know what I'm missing. You know, I, that, that's been where they've been great this year. But I, I, I'm not right. seeing in my notes anywhere. And this is an AEW problem. They've just completely abandoned the work rate tag team division. But I, what, what am I missing here? No, no, that's exactly my point, because after that, you're looking at the gun club, and I love the gun club. I think that they are probably one of the best heel acts in wrestling over the last year and a half, but I'm not putting that match up there with even like the, uh, n- n- not the uh, Ray de Prejas match, not the Twin Gate match. I wouldn't put him up there with that. I wouldn't put it up there with like the second tier stuff that Susumu and Kanda have done this year, frankly. And no, the it, the the Susumu Kanda uh, Buyuden defense right. was excellent. That was a great match. Yeah, that was another notebook match. So yeah, that was that was a uh, Masato Tanaka and Takuya Sugawara, which I went three and three quarters on, and you I think went four. And I went that's, you four know, and a quarter. Yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right. It's just you know, again, you know, Aussie Opens had a very good year, I, but. At it's this not point, a complete year. No, I and, and look, that's, no, that's and I want to be clear. That's no disrespect to them. I think they're great. I just if this match delivers, I just think Susumu and Kana have had a better year. And the FTR thing again is just really puzzling to me. I, I they've wrestled twelve matches this year, and two yeah. of them have been really good. Like I just I you know if you want to factor in, especially if you want to get you know into the nitty gritty here and talk about the trios matches that Kana and Susumu have had as a part of M3K, well, then it's not even close. And and that's up to you as to whether or not you want to count those as a tag team argument or not, because you could throw in the FTR multi-mans, but I think what M3K has done has smoked the uh, CMFTR branding, which that I that annoys the shit out of me, that they just landed on that like it means something. <laughs> it's like, well, what, what, what is this? Like, this is just letters at this point. This is dumb. Yeah, yeah. And... Here's the single disqualifying thing about Aussie Open, because unlike you, I'm not going to couch things with like respect. I cannot take a tag team seriously that is on the shelf like every year for a significant portion of time. So it it, it is something that you, you you look at the playbook, you look at the scoreboard, and I don't think that they've done nearly enough to overcome even FTR in that regard, because FTR, you could say that they have, they've had 12 tag team matches, but two of them have been of the best matches of the year. Where's that for Aussie open that to make up for the lost time there? When you have tag teams, like I don't believe Bishamon is at the caliber of these other three tag teams. I, but one thing that we can say is that they do have a full catalog of work in 2023, where I don't think you could say that about Aussie open at this time. 
No, it's, you know, it, it'll be it'll be very interesting to see what unfolds here. But again, if this is a high-end match, and I expect it to be, you know, again, the, the sort of the magical trio here of Susumu, Kai, and Kamei, those are guys that bring it, that deliver on big shows like this. I expect this to be very good. I also expect Susumu and Kanda to retain. I don't see any reason to take the belts off of them. Yeah, I think that while you are dealing with this, like, miracle run, and with how Dragon Gate treats the Twin Gates that you either have a very long run or you have a very short run that you think is going to be long and you're going to be disappointed. This is one of the ones where I look at this and I look at the state of how Dragon Gate prepares Twin Gate challengers. And it's not like the, the, this isn't like the tale of days, a CK one where they were bringing back over uh, Ricochet and Matt Seidel because they needed to have new matchups there. There's a lot there for Susumu and Kanda, whereas I'm not positive that Kai and Hio are in the same unit in a month. Yeah, I've, look, ultimately, yeah. we haven't done Susumu and Kanda versus the Mochizukis, and I'm not saying that's happening with their next defense, but that has to be happening soon. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. we, we, we got to get there's there at some point. So, so, yeah, so let's, let's keep the belts on them for a little bit. Right. Uh, the, the person not to count out in this match, though, it, the, the one person who I really think, given their summer and how things are and how things can be in the future for them, the person I, I'm keeping an eye on is, and it might just be my own favoritism, Hio, I think, will be the bellwether on if this is going to be that match that finally convinced me to write the article. We really need to be talking about Susumu and Kanda, you know, like, because I look at the other five guys in this match. Well, we've not really even talk, talked about the fact that Jason Lee's in this match, guys. <laughs> like, that's, that's a, a great point. That's, that's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's Jason and Jackie. It's, there's no slouches right there. Right, yeah, that the most recent five star match I've given it, it involves those two guys, but yeah, that's right. Hyo, Hyo, I whoa, think whoa, 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 is going on. to be hot it. Take, hold on, hold on, hot, hot take there. Um, did you not? Did you not give five stars to Naito Osprey from from uh, semifinals? Yeah, four three. Four, 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 oh. four three five. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, I, I, that's... It, it was close to it. It was close to it, but. I am like the Supreme Court and obscenity and pornography. I'll know it when I see it. I respect the reference. I use it all the time in my real life. I got to say, Naito versus Osprey is the it's the best match I've seen since Kamei and Jason versus Shunin Diamante. It's the best match I've seen in a long time. That one that one got me. I mean, I and look, I've been Tetsuya Naito's harshest critic after that match. He's an Observer Hall of Famer. Put the fucking belt on him in the Tokyo Dome. Let him do his speech. That was the Naito match I've been waiting for since the Omega match in 2016. That was un-fucking-believable. Yeah. That is my match of the year, and I can't imagine anything's going to beat it, which is another – just a brief diatribe here. I, I'm going to end up doing the same end-of-the-year content this year that I did last year. Shun Skywalker is the best wrestler in the world, not named Will Ospreay. And it's still true because, unfortunately, I've given Ospreay three five-star matches this year. In in my head, I was like, this is like a down Ospreay year, right? Like, he's probably not been very good. No, I have three five-star matches. He's actually just been the best wrestler in the world by a mile. <laughs> like, it's unbelievable. He is just, he is not human. Yeah, it, it it is something there that, and it wasn't even because of the finish for me. It, it was just something that I do hold that 2016 G1 match as Naito's best match of his career. And I I, I don't know. It, it It is something that, at least with me, I think that 
I just am someone that with five stars, I've noticed myself more and more just, I know immediately, or at least in my mind. And that I, and I can't explain it. Like, like I, it's my own failing about that, but it was clearly like, it's the best match since uh, Okada Osprey or sorry, Omega Osprey too, which if we're talking about that, then I think we have, do like, like i know we were talking about like mexico last week but it's things have changed over this last week we don't need to have that conversation anymore <laughs> do we just do we have to or is i mean is will a flair fez guy i think he has to be yeah yeah i i he man i i gotta say we i, I my first thought after watching naito osprey was we have to do another greatest wrestler ever podcast with alan to just try to wrap our heads around the historical ranking of of will osprey at this point because I don't, I, you know, it's like, it's like five years in a row now where he's just on a different level and I don't, I don't know what to do about it. Like he's, he's amazing. And that Naito match was just, it was so good. Like the finals with Okada and Naito, that was great, but I didn't care. Like it wasn't going to be anywhere near as good as Osprey and Naito. So I just didn't care about it as much. That Osprey Naito match, like I said, is the best match since last year's Kobe World Twin Gate match. And before that, you have to go pre-pandemic to find a match that I like that much. I, I mean, may, well, maybe the unit disbands match, R.E.D. and Torimon. That's probably the last one that I, I like to this degree. But still, man, there was something about this that just hit different. No, I respect that. I, I totally do. And it was something that I felt like that tournament desperately needed at that time. But uh, yeah, that was otherworldly. Uh, did you have any other Twin Gate thoughts? Uh, yeah, sorry to derail everything. Uh, <laughs> look, no I, 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 I think the match is, is going to kick ass. I'm, I'm excited for it. I'm looking forward to it. And uh, I, I assume that M3K will retain here. Now, one question. What do you think in your mind is going to be out of the Twin Gate and the Dream Gate, your match of the night. Unless somehow you think that Team WAR is going to do it for you, and we haven't gotten to that match yet. Uh, no, I, I think you have to at least show some love to the Brave Gate match here and accept that maybe Moshizuki Jr. is just going to continue being one of the most exciting wrestlers on the planet. But uh, I, would, I, would, I would still lean Dream Gate, but I, I also expect this to be very, very good. And that's something that I that I feel like with this show that we didn't really have as much at Kobe World was up and down the card necessarily having all that stuff with it because we work our way back. We have the special singles match Yamato going going up against Fujita Junior Hayato representing Michinoku Pro Wrestling, and this is just such like a I know Alan did this tweet saying like that he's actually going he's actually the person with the pencil in dragon gate here but for me this is exactly the motto i've been crying for for the last three years in this match like you know it's going to happen you know it it's going to be mean 2010 yamato all over again against someone in fujita junior hayato who probably demands that of him yeah this kicks ass i mean i i'm super super excited for this let me ask you uh fujita junior hayato He's obviously worked a ton of Mochizuki produce shows, and we could get into the history of that in just a second. He has worked one main card Dragon Gate match in his entire career. Can you think of what it was? 
Okay. Interesting. It's a One... fun it's a fun list of names. Was he in Battle of Tokyo? <laughs> he wasn't, but that's a that's a good guess because he's he wrestled a bunch of guys that were in Battle of Tokyo, I think. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Th th that was my gasp in the dark. Was somehow it was like Madoka, uh, Ken Forty Five, and Fujita Junior Hayato, who somehow all came in to be beat by Kagatora. Yeah, like, so that was my guess. It was it, it was Champion Gate two thousand eleven, which was right after the tsunami, I believe, because it was April. Yes. And yes. uh yeah. And so it was Kowloon. It was Hayato and Kagatora representing Michinoku Pro against Kotoka and Super Shenlong. And that is the only main card Dragon Gate match he has ever worked. Yep, that sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah bizarre. Yeah, but it, it this is the interesting thing with how we look at Lucha Ras, you know, because he's from Michinoku Pro. That is, he is a part of the family, but I just, it, it's so unique how Fujita Jr. Hayato kind of re relates into the overall lineage, you know, because it, 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 he's his own thing. Yeah, I, I, God, I wish he was around more. You know, it's, uh, he, he's only worked the Mochizuki Produce shows, and then like I said, that match, and if you look at his history with Yamato, you know, they, they wrestled, uh, they wrestled in 2008, uh, Buyudin Tag Team Tournament, Hayato and uh, Minoru Sawa versus Shinobu and Yamato. And then they wrestled again in 2009, six-man tag. This sounds like a match you would book. Shingo, to, uh, uh, Takuwa Wasa, and Yamato versus Hayato, Ikuto Hadaka, and Minoru Tanaka. And then they obviously wrestled this year at the All-Star Junior Festival in the opening six-man tag. So they have some history. Every time they've locked up, I've enjoyed it. Uh, it's weird. Like, I feel like this match will be much better than Hiromu versus Yamato was. You know what I mean? Oh, no, easily so. And I mean, yes, I would book Kamikaze versus I think that would technically be Bad Boy at that time. Uh, I, that sounds right. You would know a little bit better than me, but that, I, I, I'll take your word for it. But uh, yeah, no, this I, I, I mean, Hayato's just he's murdered everything this year. I, I mm -hmm. really enjoyed the work that he's done every time he's made tape. He obviously had that four and a half star tag match uh, just a few uh, at this point, a, a month ago, it was Hayato and Masaki Mochizuki versus Fuminari Abe and Ikuto Hadaka. Uh, Hayato was great on the Mochizuki produce show that he worked earlier this year. I'm glad he's back in the Dragon Gate fold, not doing the Gleet MMA bullshit. Uh, I'm really excited for this. Now you brought it up here. Is there any world that we get to have a trash can moment with that huge, ugly belt? <laughs> Is he a champion there? Yeah, he and Takanori Ito's first defense of the Ledette UWF title, he completely just got walked over by Fujita Junior Hayato. Ugh, God, you're right. Uh, I I hope not. I would rather just not acknowledge. Not a, yep, yep, <laughs> just, that's what, fair. What, what, what are we gaining from that? Well, let me tell you what we are gaining tonight, tonight as we look forward to to Dangerous Gate on Sunday, the 20th. Special six-man tag team match. This was formed at the uh, King of Gate Finals Korokin. Masaki Mochizuki and Don Fuji laid out a challenge for members of the Reiwa Leaders, our big six, that they are going to be teaming with someone that they both have a rather unique history with as Tomohiro Ishii of New Japan Pro Wrestling 
is re-entering the Dragon system from just off the top of my head the first time since 1999. As Team WAR will try to get up into some wrestle and romance against Yuki Yoshioka, Binkei, and Strong Machine J. I want to give you a second here, Mike. I, I know we talked about it a few weeks ago because Holy Grails came up, but Tomohiro Ishii in the Dragon System is your thing. Do you want to briefly explain what he's done in the Dragon System up to this point? Yeah, so the overall story about, uh, from my understanding, and if someone who knows a little bit more about WAR wants to disabuse me of this notion, I will cede the floor to that. But after WAR kind of felled up and it was going dead, uh, the, the thing is that Tomohiro Ishii was so relatively new in his career, and he was tied to uh, Tenryu pretty heavily, and he was trying to make dates, trying to get a full schedule, that a lot of people from WAR were involved with Torimon, especially towards the landing of Torimon. So after the gym was was going and they already had the classes going, that there, there were people that ended up from WAR going over to Torimon, Japan. And for 1999 uh, especially, Tomohiro Ishii was someone that, as the promotion was kind of coming together, where... If you look at 1999, in case we've talked about this, when we looked back at uh, 131, 1999, and the shows around it, it was not like a full, deep promotion at that time. You really had the first two terms of students that were able to be in a, in a position that Ultimo wanted to debut them. So you had to fill out the rest of your card, and that went to a lot of people from WAR. And Tomohiro Ishii was one of them. Most notably, he was in the first ever three-way six-man. In the lead-up before the one that made tape, he was kind of, as they were figuring out the matches, he was involved in that. But nothing ever made tape. However, somehow, he has, to my last count, and I need to check this again, nine or ten singles matches against Soccer Chikawa from 1999 and 2000 that I badly, badly hope that there is a storage unit right now in Hyogo Prefecture with someone on who has a whole lot of high eight fan cams of. Yeah. I mean, God, you'd think with him coming in, if they were ever going to hit the network now would sort of be the time to do it. Yeah. I just think that given the time that it's probably like the footage doesn't exist, sadly, yeah. like it's just one of those things that when you look at how wrestling is and how things were, if it were to pop up in any sort of fashion, it would have done that by now, frankly. So it's something where, Ishii worked for the promotion primarily. I had my dates a little wrong. It was more 2001. So, and when you look at 2001, the, the three way uh, elimination match, this actually happened up in Awate. Just to give people like figuring out the match and how things went from it. It was Crazy Max of Big Fuji. This is when they changed their names every year. So, Don Fuji, Sima, and Sua, M2K, a Darkness Dragon, Masaki Mochizuki, Sumu Mochizuki. And Ginki Horiguchi, Magnum Tokyo, Tomohiro Ishii. Obviously, the person left out there is Dragon Kid, really, when you look at that. But when you look at Tomohiro Ishii, he just was someone that they used for a while. And if you look at how his career was in 2001, 2002, really through uh, the downfall of like Riki Pro and all of that, it was just where Riki Choshu was involved. And that was the big thing about him. Yeah, so that that is a, a brief history there into Ishii and the Dragon System. Obviously, he's coming back here 
And I, I don't know of a way to preview this match other than that I think it's going to absolutely kick ass. I'm really looking forward to it. And I that's about all I have to say on it. Yep, this is just a fun, sick match. Uh, I probably went far too much into Ishii there for what the kind of match is. Uh, no, we got a Ricky Pro reference. That's uh, yeah. always worthwhile. It, 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 hey, we, we got we to play the hands that were dealt here. Who's the person <laughs> that you're interested in facing off most against Ishii? We got Yoshioka, we got Ben, and we got Jay here. I think the obvious answer is Ben, but I, I'm just... I, He's actually I, I, where I where I think most people would go. Ben, I think he's last on my list because Yoshioka is so quick that it's like, okay, well, I want to see what that looks like against Ishii, and I'm just really curious to see what Strong Machine J looks like in this environment. I mean, historically, this has to be one of the biggest matches of Jay's career. It would be the Dreamgate match from this year, the Cage match from this year, and then this is such a high profile form. I mean, there's people that will watch this match that have never seen him before. So I, I'm really curious to see what Jay and Ishii look like together. Yeah, that's the one I'm most interested in. Uh, if we look at what was happening this weekend in Kunamoto and uh, Hakata, I really felt like Jay wrestled like a guy that knew that he was out of King of Gate and was trying to kind of remind people hey i am strong machine j and it was something that it, it didn't necessarily always like translate into the matchups he had i mean he had a team of ho-ho against ginky in his hometown and it, but it is something where i kind of look at it and it was not in his hometown that was a different match but i i look at this and i think jay is going to be the person to take this take the bull by the horns here i just think that he is someone that is really came out of King of Gate that he missed as someone, or he didn't miss that match essentially meant he missed King of Gate, right? Like I think we can acknowledge that opener was not really much of a match at all that he was in. So he's coming really off of this layoff and trying to reestablish momentum after his uh, Kobe world performance. And I think that's why you have to look towards him against Ishii. Yeah, very much so. So I, I am I am looking forward to it, uh, and it should be a hot little match. Yep. Uh, the third and final title match on the show, no Triangle Gate defense because of Minora in the main event, is the Open the Brave Gate title match. Case mentioned this a little bit earlier. Ishin versus Mochizuki Jr. In, I don't think it's the exact two-year anniversary for Ishin, but this is... He did debut at the show two years ago. And if you look at Ishan, I think over the course of those two years, and I, I, I kind of like using this, I know I did this last year, using Dangerous Gate as kind of his like, like measuring pole here. It's a different Ishan versus Mochizuki Jr. as they were visiting this feud. And it's real fascinating to see where Ishan will be on his second anniversary. I'm so excited for this. I mean, I think anybody that's listened to this podcast before knows where I stand specifically on Mochizuki Jr., although I am also, you know, at this point, very much into what Ishin is doing. And you're right. You know, we debuted at this event. It was September in 2021 uh, when he debuted. And then last year at Dangerous Gate, it was a Triangle Gate match that it was, you know, Masaki Mochizuki and Mochizuki Jr. and Susumu Mochizuki at time, the Triangle Gate champions against Don Fuji and Ishinihashi and Ishin's father, Ishin Ricky. And they had that fun sort of worthwhile Triangle Gate match that ended up leading to the November heel turn for what turned out to be all caps Ishin. I, I, 
I think this has stayed, and I say this about every Brave Gate match, and unfortunately, you know, even even the good ones haven't been great. And I, I think we're all really itching for a Brave Gate match that is truly great. And I think this could be it. You know, these guys had a, a very successful feud last year. We talked about it at the time. They based it out of Tokyo, where August of last year they do a singles match. September they do the dad's tag. Uh, and then they do the Dangerous Gate, Triangle Gate match, and then the Ishin heel turn in November. A lot of that stuff was based in Tokyo, and from people that I talked to that were going to the Corkin shows at the time, they said, this is the over thing on the Corkin shows. There are people that we think are buying tickets specifically for the junior Ishin stuff. They kicked ass all throughout there, and then have largely been kept apart this year. You know, they wrestled in Rey de Parejas, and they've wrestled a few times in the build of this match, but we haven't really seen this version of Ishin against this version of Mochizuki Jr., a more confident, super agile, more experienced version of Mochizuki Jr. I I don't know. I mean, my excitement level for this match is like a 9.5 out of 10. Where are you at here, Mike? I'm not 9.5, but I am like at probably an eight, eight and a half. I have enjoyed like everything leading up to it with them. It, it It's something where... I guess I wonder like the direction forward out of this only because I think you look at Mochizuki Jr. And yes, it is something that he needs to do things on his own. And we've seen every opportunity you give this guy. And the only he's only been wrestling for 14 months and he's been off with injuries for about three of those months. So he's not had a full year of ring time. Each, each opportunity he has, he kind of grabs it but i don't want to kind of see him a singles champion right now i don't think it's time oh, for it's, him to it's that. not time for him it is yeah. absolutely not time for him and, and yeah. that's okay you know you got to remember and this is you know one of those things that i think can can perhaps get lost with the english-speaking audience but the build to ishin winning this belt was what's happened to all the great Bravegate champions you know why are there not any great Bravegate champions anymore why when we talk about this division are we talking about Pac and Ricochet and Genki and guys from a decade ago? What has happened to the Brave Gate belt? So from a storyline perspective, it doesn't make sense for Ishin to lose in his first defense. It would be weird and jarring there. And like I will continue to say with Junior, and I feel like I've been right about this because Dragon Gate has gone along with the things that I've thought. Everybody's in a rush with this guy, and there is no need to be in a rush with a 21-year-old, what I'm now comfortable calling a prodigy. I really don't think Junior got the credit he deserved for being good or right off the bat and for continuing to elevate his game because you got to remember, he came in, it was June of 2022. It was when the uh, the full-blown narrative change into you, Dragon Gate, was going on last year because it was, you know, Nozawa stuff and Minora stuff and it was World and it was Ultimo and it was just all a disaster. And it was all taking away from the fact that Mochizuki Jr. is a goddamn prodigy and he's only gotten better since. Mike, are you doing the Voices of Wrestling 30 Under 30 project? I am not, only because I think my predilections would make me be a bad person for that because I would immediately disqualify anyone within the WWE system who have not seen extensive stuff of them before WWE. Okay, well, I did that, so I would not feel bad about okay. doing that. Okay, yeah, I, like, fair enough, look, fair look, enough. Yeah. Hey, it's cool. Look, I'm happy that Logan Paul is a good wrestler, but I'm not I'm not doing that. And there's nobody else. I mean, I, I, I fucking hate, I'm sorry. I fucking hate everybody else that works there. I just, I just hate that company. 
uh, with such passion. I'm so glad I do a Dragon Gate podcast and not an American wrestling-centric podcast where I have to at least be civil about it. I hate everything that they do. I'm not voting for anybody there. I bring that up because on my ballot, I had Mochizuki Jr. 11th, and I was I was being a little generous with other wrestlers, you know, uh, that, that I had ranked over him. Cause I, I get a little self-conscious sometimes about being, uh, in, in stuff like this being too, uh, pro dragon gate. It gets in my head, but a, a, a 30 under 30 is what Dragon is right now. This promotion is about 30 wrestlers. Most of whom are under 30. I had junior at 11th and, uh, I feel like this match could make me regret not having him in my top seven, top eight. Uh, I just, I think he's that good. Yeah, this is going to be, I think, the opportunity for Mochizuki Jr. to have his first individual standout performance. And the only reason why I'm not full 10 on it is just that the it's just the fact that it's just not going to like it's going to be the full experience, but it's not going to be the finish. He's not getting crowned tonight. And that kind of hurts that I'm trying to think right now outside of. It would be easier for me to like to list like my top ten under thirty outside of Dragon Gate, and then I'd be able to build up everything else there because then I just felt the rest of the thing with Dragon Gate and point put them in accordingly. Like, I I, I feel like one of those things like at least with the Electric case, like MJF is going to win this. Yeah, and you yeah. know he's he's the world champion for the right. number two yeah. promotion. It's it's fair, you know. I I yeah. my top my top three was Shun Takesha and MJF, and then Kakuta at four and hot take bandito at five i i actually bandito's I under 30 bandito's under 30 um at least okay. God, i hope so because i did vote for him uh i think he is has become underrated he is he's 28 uh which is crazy to think about uh just turned mm-hmm. 28 in april I, the the bandito hype was so heavy for a while that i think people uh got burnt out on him but I think it's gone to the other in the other direction now. I don't think people appreciate how good Bandito is, and I I, I feel like that's almost a statement vote right there. But right, ah man, he when he hits, he he is otherworldly, and also seeing him in person, he has a live charisma that is really really enjoyable and engaging. So I'm I'm gonna give a little bit of a bump there. But uh, Mochizuki in eleventh. I did not have Ishin on my ballot. I'm sure if this was the thirty under or the forty under thirty. I would have him somewhere in the 31 to 40 range, but he, uh, he did not make it uh, in case anybody was curious. Yeah. I, the more I think about it, I think I could actually make that list without WWE, without me feeling unclean or misrepresenting. Oh yeah. No, I mean, well, yeah. I mean, who, I'll, I'll do one. I'll you, do one. You're not, you're not voting for Dom. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know that, that, that I'm aghast by that proposition. Yeah. And, and I, you know, I, some people are voting for like the the Europeans that are in NXT, like the um I think Dragonoff is still under 30. And I get it. You know, I I I you know, no hate, but I'm not I'm not doing that. I'm not voting for them. I, I just hate that promotion so much that it's just not it's not happening. So uh but there's look, I mean I, I had a list of about 50 wrestlers when I first started. There's there's a lot of talent out there under 30, and it, it, it's easy, I think. Uh, to get down on wrestling. I mean, before we started recording, we were kind of listing all the things going wrong with AEW right now. So it's easy to not be stoked about the future, but there is talent out there. It's just a matter of whether or not that talent can be managed in a way that, that, uh, that needs to be. No, that that's entirely fair. That 
and, and I think that is kind of the core thing about that. Uh, moving down the card, uh, we get to the uh, non the undercard matches. Uh, match two: Ultimo, Nur- Ultimo Dragon, Naruki Doi, BB Hulk, and Minorita. So, Gold Class and Ultimo versus Shuji Kondo Kagatora, Problem Dragon, and Punch Tomonaga. Uh, one thing from the uh, shows this week, case I, I I had my counter out there. It didn't get much use. Ultimo did not take a single boat bump in Hakata, and I applaud him for that. Oh God, yeah, no, good for him. Yeah, did not leave his feet once. Like didn't he, need like to. There, the, the, there was a moment in the, uh, the there was a moment in the match that was against uh, that Jackie Kamei in it where I was convinced for one moment I was like, oh, he's going to do his. Uh, head scissors bulldog takeover thing and he's gonna leave the ground nope did not do that just shoved him into it and moved along with his day did it, not it, it, it kind of it, it kind of made the shows for me in a way to be yeah. honest but but yeah th- this eight man tag uh i don't really uh no, I, 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 in- we, we, we can talk about something else yeah uh like we're getting daya Kaito Nagano and Daiki Yanagiuchi and the opener against KZ Big Boss Shimizu UT on the show's UT showing a little bit more frustration. It is something that it seems to be building with that. Uh, I, I I guess I it, with how everything is looking at these shows, like I don't take Shimizu opening the show as like any sort of thing. Just with card with card composition here, there were a lot of weird kind of people left off that uh, that that weren't involved in things. And I think that's why we get such an interesting opener. Oh, yeah, I mean, there's no... I, I would not read into Shimizu being in the opening match at all. This is just where the no. where the chips fell on this. I mean, yeah, yeah, no, that's not a... I don't think that's an indictment on him by any means. I mean, more interesting to me about with how these cards have been constructed over the last few months is the fact that first major show without Ada on there, and I did not... Like, when I was going through the show, when the card was announced, when I was going through it, and today going through it, did not really feel the loss that I expected I would feel the first time that Ata missed a big five show. I really didn't even notice that he was gone until you just brought it up. And and that is that is an indictment on Ata. You know, again, this guy this guy could have the world if he wanted it, and it's just not not playing out the way that I think anybody other than him would desire. Yeah. And that is the card for Dangerous Gate 2023. It is from Oda City Gymnasium on August 20th. Start time is 3 p.m. Japanese Standard Time. That will be 2 a.m. for the East Coast, 11 on the West. English commentary, as always, for Dragon Gate big shows coming up. And we'll be back on Tuesday to review the show as well any other big uh dangerous gate thoughts before we start to wrap things up and talk about a, a another fun match that we uh that happened in the dragon system this week no let's uh let's real quick talk about the extended dragon system universe and the match that is is making rounds and rightfully so yeah so i don't know when this match was taped it's for Ju- Riot july Luka. 22nd so July 22nd, uh, this match from Riot Lucha. I believe Riot's based out of Monterey, if I'm right. But it is a match. Uh, uh, SB Kento and Takuma. Now they are teaming as the Mexi Hapolocos is kind of the team that they are go- team name they're going with. Match against Kratos and Prometo 
and I've seen Kratos before. Prometo, this was my first time, and this is just an experience of a match. I would say, like it, 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 it is kind of in the way the junior heavyweight kind of wild freewheeling brawl that I think that uh, I don't want to say Rouge Roselli Park was, but I, like the first ten minutes was throwing off like those brawling vibes very much. So, I uh, yeah, I I mean, I I don't know. It's so like Fujiwara's career as it goes along, and, and Kento's too. I mean, these are these are two of the most hyped Dragon Gate prospects of all time that are obviously no longer with Dragon Gate. And I think there's a a very easy way to play revisionist history and go, oh well, you know they were they they got hyped up too much, and and they weren't this or they weren't that. And then you watch a match like this, and you go, no, they. They were everything that I've been saying they are since uh, very early on in their careers. And, you know, Dragon Gate's going to be okay. Still the number two promotion in Japan. They, they, they do quite well in some markets. But not having Kento and Fujiwara around, it hurts. You know, watching this match, which I went four and a quarter on, I mean, it's it's worth everybody's time. And, and Mike, does Cubs fan have it up on his drive? Is that where this match is? Uh, let me go and check a call yeah, take a look at that but you know watching this match it was it's look it's awesome like fujiwara is incredible in this match it's one of those where you know it's a lot of kento charisma stuff and then it's fujiwara really wrestling and i i i noticed this you know a, a little bit later in his run in mexico you know when he first got there which was last june he was wrestling in front of crowds with noise for the first time. And he was doing a lot of character work and he was really engaging with the crowd. And it blew me away. Cause I was like, God, he's, he's actually even better than I thought he was. And then as he started wrestling more and more in Mexico, he started getting really reckless. And it's interesting watching a Drangate guy wrestle in a sort of controlled chaos sort of way, because you know, Drangate's a high flying promotion. They're a fast promotion, but it's not, you know, it's guys doing elbow drops, really, and, and tope suicidas and then dives onto giant piles. And Fujiwara's out here doing shooting star presses to the floor and these uh, crazy dives inside the ring and these lucha rings that I don't trust at all. And it's really interesting, I, I, I think, him making a conscious decision to wrestle without the conformity that Drangate provides. And it's it's impressive, man. I mean, these guys... I don't know what's next for them. You know, I, I don't, I, everything I know about the situation, a lot of which has been reported, some of which hasn't. I I don't think Japan is, is in the cars anytime soon, but I really hope they can find steady work in North America. These guys are too talented to just kind of fuck around and, and, and see where the wind blows them. Any promotion that has access to them is making an objectively bad decision to not use and protect and help flourish them in their own promotion. Yeah. And it's something where the, the spot from the match that really sticks out with me is there was on the floor during the brawl. They, I, I believe it was uh, Prometo who sets up a chair and runs, jumps clear over it and does a, almost like a corner seated drop kick to Kento in this match. And it's so different and it's showing like, wow, the abilities of these guys at this point is otherworldly. I I would say like, like, like everything that they were 
is still there. They're now we so are... good. It's it, so upsetting. <laughs> it, it, in some ways, it feels like the restrictor plate is off for better and for worse with them now. Yeah. And, yeah. Oh my god. I mean, completely. That's that's a, a very good way of of saying what I was trying to say. And I don't necessarily know long term. Like as you're saying, like it does not. I not. I've not heard anything in the uh, last six weeks since we are really the the SB Taku stuff really came to a forefront. Nothing has really kind of changed, I would say, out of it. It is something where I look at these two guys and I and as great as this match was, I was four and a quarter as well. And it is something that really kind of comes off more as like an experience than it does like a not even necessarily high level match, but it is a high level match. But but it just between how it's worked and the crowd and all of that, it comes off more like an experience that. I wonder, like, just because of the situation and kind of their independence with it, is this going to be more the kind of thing we'll see out of them? Just because I think that these are the kind of matches that I think for better or for worse, and I think mostly for the better, these are the kind of stuff that gets spread around and gets them more bookings. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, you know... It, the the triple A situation is very interesting. As we talked we talked about before anybody else, Conan saw footage of these guys when they first went over to Mexico, and he was not into them. Uh, Conan did not get it, did not want to use them, and they slowly started appearing on the undercards of these triple A shows. And then uh, Conan basically learned what Dragon Gate was, and that the guys that work there are a super talented and b trained in the lucha style, which again he had no awareness of uh and so he's you know he's been vocal supporters on his podcast of these guys but they're still not on triple a shows and and cubs fan talked about this and put it in a way that was more eloquent than what i was trying to hint at which was like no you know people in mexico don't care about these guys whether it's fans or promoters it's not like they're these hype blue chip prospects that you know cmll and triple a are going to have a a bidding war over you know even even big lucha uh the mess that's going on there it's not like they're using kento and fujiwara on a full-time basis either they worked one big lucha show as a one-off and that was it so they're in this predicament where they're they're in a land of people that don't care about them but they're talented enough to work anywhere and i just i don't i don't know how they're going to navigate that it is frustrating you know i i really uh, you know, the, the story is so bizarre in terms of their relationship with Dragon Gate. And, you know, it, the, the thing that I think changed from the first time you and I heard about the story to when we ended up breaking it was when we first heard about it, it seemed like this hard split, you know, they're gone, they're exiled. And as we got more information and Jay confirmed this when we talked to him in May was, uh, it was, or I, I guess it was July, rather, it was uh, the Kobe World Preview, was it? it's sort of one of those, you know, hey, let's break up, but we can still be friends. And even if you never take that person up on the friends offer, they're, they're going along adjacent uh, right now. They're, they're going along adjacent paths. And uh, is that a fair way, I think, of describing the situation? Yes, because it... If it was a path that was clearly divergent, we know where they would have showed up, and it would yeah, have and been I, I very saw, clear. Um, 
I saw some people allude to that in the in the Discord. I, I want to be clear. I'm not blind. I don't think that's like this outlandish, like, no, you idiot, you're wrong. I just I don't I don't think that's it. You know, I don't think anywhere in Japan is is the play for them for for quite a while. You know, Kento comes from yeah. money. Kento has sponsors in Mexico that are, you know, paying their bills. And uh, uh we'll see what happens there. But look, if you ever if you watch them in Dragon Gate and expected them to be the future, and now you feel foolish just because of the way things have played out, watch this Riot Lucha tag, and you'll go, "Oh nope, they're they're as good as I thought they were." It was uh, again, it was as exhilarating as it was depressing. Yeah, that that that's kind of like my takeaway from it as well. It was like, God, these guys are crazy talented, and it's something like, especially like for me, also like I'm starting to i'm trying to make more of a concerted effort of it when i lived in south carolina you would have to really travel for or you had to hit the road for wrestling shows that were at least kind of worth it for me or stuff that i'd be like oh i'm gonna go drive to a show and do this there's a lot of it in texas that i'm trying to take advantage of and it's something where you know i i, I saw a post that sb did about us visa that i i'm not report i'm making this very 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 clear it was i it was a machine translation of mentioning a u.s visa that immediately put the thought in my head of like oh i'm in texas now that can really happen that i i'm hoping that maybe someone some booker catches them doing this kind of match and maybe the situation is that they can start working like this i don't know if that's the case but that's what i would hope coming out of that really did i tell you that i tried to buy a t-shirt from them and they left me on red Fucking teens, man. I know. Fucking I, teens. I, uh, they, they've got, they've got their personal Instagram accounts, and then they have like a tag team Instagram account where they're selling T-shirts. And I, I DM them. I was like, well, you know, if you guys do international shipping, I, I want one. That's a cool looking shirt. And we had a few messages back and forth. And then right before, I, I was like ready to send them money. And uh, that was a week ago. They have not gotten back to me, and I'm, I'm bummed out because it's a cool looking shirt. Yeah, yeah, no, it, it it's sick as hell, and they, and they, I, and they need the money. So I don't. It's not a, not a good business plan to not respond to me. And, and, and that's when I could say, well, like, given everything, of course, case, of course. Like, are you surprised? No, no I, I, I'm not. I, I'm not. No. But uh, that that is the Riot Lucha tag. Uh, did we confirm? Is that on the Cubs Google Drive? Do you know where people can watch no. that? It, I, I think it is. I don't know if Riot Lucha took it off Facebook, but I don't know if it is still publicly available. I, let me, I, it, let me do, it, it let me do a quick be. dive real quick just to just to see if it's there because I'm curious. I want people to watch this match if they if right, they haven't yeah. seen it. I think I think the link got passed around in the Voice of Wrestling Discord. Um, so take a look there. But as I look here, I don't see it there. Maybe it's maybe it's not in the Cubs drive, but look around. I mean, if you if you really need it, you know, I, I don't know, shoot me a DM. I'm, I'm sure I can help you out. So uh, that is that. And those guys are still really good. Yep. And I think unless you have anything else, case, I think that's going to do it for us as well. That is it. Dangerous Gate on Sunday. I will have a written review of it over at VoicesWrestling.com, hopefully the day after that Monday morning. Uh, obviously, podcast next Tuesday. I don't know if there is a written preview uh, going up on VoicesWrestling.com or not. If uh, that happens, it'll either be Mike or John Hernandez. Uh, and uh, I'm looking forward to the show. You know, uh, Please send us your thoughts, your predictions, your feelings on the show. Open the VoiceGate channel on the Voices of Wrestling Discord. I'm looking forward to it.
Me too. Uh, Case, before we go, just got just load up Twitter on the first time, and what do I see? But Geki, Gekio uh, uh, Kuchi Kun, uh, President Nakamura getting photos with Akira Maeda. <laughs> My man, Maeda versus Stalker needs to happen. We we've just put that out on in the universe, and I think that's what we leave this on. You could follow us on Twitter. Well, well, you, you know, can I okay say one thing real quick? Just because yep. it's a it's a thought that I have to get out now. It'll never make sense after the fact. Thank God Shima is not with Dragon anymore. Because if he was, and they booked Maeda, Shima would pay him extra money to redo the Choshu shoot kick spot with Stalker, and it would be fucked up, and it would be mean. And I don't think we live in that reality anymore. So thank God. Yeah, no, we are living in a better reality because I don't want to see that either. Yeah. I, 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 he's the 69th greatest wrestler of all time case. We can, we could save him from that indignity. I mean, gosh, please. Very much so. But that's going to do it. We'll be back with you next week talking about Dangerous Gate 2023. You can follow us on Twitter at Open Voice Gate. Case is an underscore in your case. And I'm at Fuchiheya. Thanks for listening to Open Voice Gate. We'll be back with you next week. Take care, everyone. My name is Tyler Fornis, and I am one of the co-hosts of the Good, the Bad, and the Hungi AEW podcast here on the Voice of Wrestling Podcasting Network. We take a broad scope approach to the world of All Elite Wrestling and the entire universe of Tony Khan. We talk about the big matches, the big stars, the promos, the storylines. And we also look at it from a big picture perspective. How are things going to change over the course of the next 10 years with AEW still in the picture? How are companies like WWE going to adapt and adjust to AEW, are they going to be a similar way like they did with WCW in the late 1990s? Will there be a counterpunch? We talk about all of that and more on the good, the bad, and the hungi every week on the Voice of Wrestling Network.